The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is happening, Chicago Bears fans? This is T-Formation Conversation. I'm your host, Lester Wiltfong, and I am joined today by, by an old friend. You guys all know him if you're on the channel. You all know him if you're on YouTube. E.J. Snyder, my guy. How you been, buddy? I'm fantastic. Uh, I actually got a little bit of sleep today, which is great because that hasn't been the case for the last five days. Uh, we've been busy. We've been banging away down here at Shrine Bowl um, early morning to late at night, but it's been a blast. This is a, a really good group, and I'm excited to talk about it. So as you guys heard, EJ is actually at the Shrine Bowl. He's been out in Las Vegas this whole week. Uh, make sure you guys all follow EJ on Twitter at FootballEJ. Of course, you can see and hear him right here as half of our Bears of Beers crew with Jeff Burkus. And, of course, he's always chopping it up on bootleg football with his co-host, Brett Coleman. So Vegas has been fun this week for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, for some value of fun and for those that like to scout football players, it's been an absolute blast. Everybody's like, oh, you get to go to Vegas. I'm like, well, it happens to be in Vegas, but we're here to be on football fields. And that's where we've been most of the week. And, uh, you know, in meetings room, in meeting room with players, uh, we have outstanding access here. Uh, Eric Galco, the director of the Shrine Bowl, allows us some really unique access to the players. Um, We can't get it anywhere else. And that allows us to create some really good content, get to know these guys, get to spend a little bit more time with them than the, just the, you know, hey, where'd you play high school football? And uh, work in a little bit of X's and O's as well. Um, just a great, great experience. You guys have done some some fun stuff on bootleg. You're doing some recaps there. So make sure you guys all, like I said, check them out over there as well. A lot of cool stuff there. So, so the East-West Shrine game, it's not on the same level right now as the senior bowl. But I think the NFL has been kind of pushing things to kind of get them more on equal footing. I think at some point, the NFL would prefer the East-West Shrine game to get the top prospects. Because right now, the Senior Bowl still pulls the top guys. But the East-West is starting to get some better talent there this this year. It's close. (laughs) It's really close. Uh, Last year, there was a definitive gap. But Shrine Bowl had their best year ever in terms of measurables, in terms of guys drafted, impact. Uh, We're going into the Super Bowl with one of the team's starting running backs having come from this game. Um, You know, we saw impact from rookies who were in this game all over the league. And this year's group is even better than that, like definitively better than that at all positions. That gap is narrowing really quickly, um, much more quickly than I think a lot of people who maybe don't pay really close attention to the process give it credit for. 
but it's coming very, very close. And you're talking about, you know, between two all-star games, about 250-ish guys out of 10,000. So talking about the cream of the crop either way. Um, but I've been really pleasantly surprised getting to sort of be in the weeds with these guys for the last four days, how good um, the talent is here in Las Vegas. There's a lot of guys that are going to make differences on NFL teams. That's what I'm kind of hearing. That's the buzz on Twitter, the buzz on social media. A lot of people that are down there writing about it, how, how the talent disparities kind of flip a little bit, which, which is good to see because, I mean, it's in Vegas, which is – First off, it's awesome. You know, this is it's it, the, the Pro Bowl week is coming up here, so it's kind of it all ties in. The game, of course, is tomorrow night, Thursday night. Uh, the Pro Bowl, it's not a game anymore. Whatever the hell it is, the skills come. Pro Bowl games, they're yeah, calling them the Pro Bowl games. That's coming up this weekend, so it's nice that the NFL has a place. And and this year, it's it's you know two coaching staffs for the NFL. They have their full staffs down there, is the Patriots and the Falcons. You know, so it's 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 cool. It's cool to see how they're kind of flipping it and. Uh, you know, I, I've always kind of liked the uh, the East-West. I mean, that's the oldest game, the oldest uh, all-star game. So it's kind of cool. When I was younger, this was the premier event. And then somehow, some way, the Senior Bowl kind of flipped it. And now they're kind of flipping it back. But it's good. The more chances for these prospects to showcase their skills, especially the guys that are going on day three, the more chances for these guys to showcase themselves, the better for scouts, for the league. And, and of course, for all the other leagues, too, the the, uh, the uh XFL starting up again, the Arena League starting up again, the USFL still starting up again. You know, more professional football, more opportunities for these guys is always a good thing. Yeah, I always forget about that. And then I get down here and uh, first two days of practice are on the fields over at UNLV and you'd be walking around and you see like, uh, oh, it's a BC Lions jacket. Oh, it's a Edmonton Elks jacket. Oh, yeah, CFL's here too. I mean, it's it's everybody um and you know a lot of the college coaches uh make the trek with their guys so you see college jackets all over the sideline and then of course pros agents uh trainers a lot of training facilities here the exos guys are here um so it's it is really a cool event to see everybody come together tons of former players who are now scouts or in front offices or all chopping it up with each other and saying, Hey, the guys they played with, or, you know, guys they were in college with even um, some NFL legends saw Jesse Polo on the sidelines yesterday. Um, uh, just every time you turn around, uh, we were in the Raiders practice facility yesterday, which wasn't ready last yeah, year. That's, cool. that's that place is incredible just the scale of that place. And even a lot of the NFL guys, the Falcons guys and the Patriots guys were walking around going, this is, this is nice. Uh, Max Crosby was there. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. Um, You know, a a Tuesday morning in the off season, uh, we got there about eight 20 in the morning, one guy in the weight room, Uh, weight room has those uh, roll up garage doors that you can see through to the outside. And we were walking by one guy in the weight room, Max Crosby. Of course. Yeah, Max Crosby was part of the uh, the Khalil Mack trade. He was one of the draft picks that the Raiders, of course, picked up for the Mack trade. And you know, at the time when he was drafted, a lot of you know Raiders fans are always going to be better. I mean, those are two good fo- football players. So, but that, that's cool seeing the Raiders there, kind of seeing what's going on there. I saw a few a few other NFL players were kind of there, there as well. But but let's get into this yeah. Bears stuff. And we're we're talking Chicago Bears. You know, the Bears have some obvious needs. I mean, you could literally throw a dart. I mean, the Bears need pretty much. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they need everything. The roster is going to get it's going to get uh, redone again this season. But I think the top needs obviously are in the trenches: O line, D line, um, wide receiver, 
and they can always use more defensive backs. It's a passing league. So, so let's start in the offensive line. We'll go through these pissing groups a little bit. Um, before we get into the prospects, I want to ask a question, Braxton Jones. Do yeah. you think he's the uh, the future left tackle of the Bears? Did he, did he do it? I think I want to see Braxton Jones with a lot more help around him because I think he had a decent season. And a decent season as a rookie starter in the NFL is something to build on. Yeah. He's got great tools. We know that. He's got great length. He's very athletic. And he did pretty well. Did he do great? No, he didn't. But nobody on the Bears offense did great. And there were a lot of holes in the line. There was a lot of turnover. You as a former offensive lineman know uh, continuity is really important. Communication is really important. Understanding and knowing what the guy next to you is going to do. Bears had basically none of that this year. So I would give Braxton Jones the sort of incomplete evaluation. And I've had a lot of conversations down here this week about what the Bears line is going to look like or could look like. And uh, a lot of different opinions on that. I was talking to Jordan Reed, who's uh, one of ESPN's main talent scouts. And we were, we were talking about options, kind of mix and match free agency and, and guys that were on the field here. And I think you can make a really nice line um, with all the resources the Bears have. And I don't think you have to add Braxton Jones as a position that needs to be replaced right now. I want to see that evaluation with other talent beside him first. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. I like his tools. You know, I think he did enough. He had some issues with the bull rush. It was it was mm-hmm. it was out there all over. He he understood it. He talked about it. He knows he has to do that. That's not just strength. I mean, that's a technique thing too. And that's something he'll learn in the offseason. I mean, this whole offseason, he's going to spend working on his on his game. I'm excited to see Braxton Jones next year. So, but let's get into some of these prospects you saw it on there. So the Bears need an athletic zone blocking, a zone blocker. And and the most buzz I saw looking online about the O-line down there was UCLA's Antonio Maffi. But mm-hmm. is he really a scheme fit for what the Bears want to do, or is he more of a of, of a big bodied uh, hulking kind of presence? No, they ran a lot of zone. Okay, UCLA. And Perfect. we got to talk to Mafia. We've got an interview coming out with him later. Great guy. Got to sit down with him one-on-one um, and have a little bit of a connection with him because uh, in high school, any of you who are on Twitter who follow Coach Vass, who's a defensive guy, uh, Coach Vass coached at Sarah, and Antonio Mafia was his defensive tackle, was his nose tackle. Uh, he was recruited as a nose tackle, switched over to offensive line after about a year at UCLA. Um Great guy, uh, really smart, uh, thickly built, uh, but can move. They ran a ton of zone at UCLA, so uh, can be a scheme fit. I would be thrilled if Mafia ended up as a bear. Uh, there's a couple other guys as well, but I, I would be thrilled if Mafia ended up a bear. Great player on and off the field. I saw some talk of him, maybe a, a day two guy. You think he'll he'll go that high in a draft? It's possible. I would say end of day two is where he'll probably slot in earliest. I would not be at all surprised if you slipped to the top of day three. And I don't think that's an insult. Uh, That's a really typical range for guards in the NFL draft is rounds three through five. Uh, Obviously round three is day two round four is day three. So uh, anywhere in there, I I don't really care where he gets picked. Like it's not his draft slot is not so important. He is going to be a guy that plays in the league for six or seven years. Very well. Um, Once he establishes himself, gets himself a starting spot. I I don't think he's leaving. Yeah, I mean, he, he mentioned he's a guard. A lot of times those guards that aren't early picks 
they end up as rookies coming in and starting because for some reason those guards get pushed down the board a little bit. There's not a huge value on them, which is kind of strange because on the defensive side of things, everyone wants that three tech. They all want that interior push. So if you're valuing the interior push these days, why aren't you valuing your guards and, and centers more in the NFL, which is kind of just weird. It's, it's, it's all in cycles. I'm sure at some point, you know, those guys get pushed back up the board, but, but like I said, you can find a starting guard in those later rounds. So are there some other old linemen? I know the bears probably have a need a center. I mean, I know they talked, you know, Sam Musfer obviously has been a guy. He's probably not going to be around if he is. Yeah, his brother's here. His brother's there. I did see that. Um, you know, Lucas Patrick, the bears of Tahar Heine. They talked him up as their center, but he, he couldn't stay healthy. I think the bears got to, got to go center. Was there were any centers down there that stood out to you? Yeah. Juice Scruggs, uh, Penn Juice. state center. Okay. Really like him. Um, also got an interview with him on day one. Uh, really good, solid guy. Was I had forgotten he was involved in a in a really serious car accident early in his career at Penn State. Um, his uh, you know future in football was in question. Came back strong. Um, boy, talked up that Penn State uh, training and conditioning program that we all know about because every year they throw guys up the combine leaderboards. But Juice had a really solid week on the interior here. He's a very solid player in terms of physical. We talked about anchoring against Bull Rush. He can do that. Um, very smart player. Uh, you have to be as a center, I think, because you're just in charge of so many things. And there's so many adjustments that you need to make uh, both physically and mentally on the field. Love Juice. Um, but a guy that really stood out that I, if I'm sort of putting a mark by a guy from folks I saw down here on the interior offensive line, Chandler Zavala from NC State. This is the left guard from NC State, the guy that played next to Iki Aquanu. So if you watched any Iki Aquanu tape last year when he was coming out uh, before he got drafted and made the league, this is the guy that was next to him. And he just picked up where he left off last year and got even better. Uh, we got to sit with him. He is whip smart. He is a load. He's played all five uh, offensive positions, which is really rare. Uh, been mostly a left guard in college, but uh, day two of practice out at UMV practice field, uh, we'd seen him day one and interviewed him. I caught him coming off the practice field, said, hey, man, nice day of practice. He said, yeah, ended up a right guard. First time I played right guard since I was a junior in high school. I said, man, didn't look like it. He said, I told you. I said, yes, you did. Uh, Chandler Zavala, great, great dude, um, can get motion in the run game. Uh, you know, you, you don't talk sand in the pants. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, but athletic, both physically and mentally, uh, very sharp guy. We talked through some of his tape, some of the, some of the sort of more detailed X's nose things about, how they run their reads in, in inside zone, in mid zone, what their anchoring point is, what happens if this guy walks down, what do you do there? On top of it, um, you know, very similar to a quarterback on a whiteboard, um, just nailed it and has that little bit of uh, sort of smiling edge. He's not necessarily going to call you names or tell you bad things, but he, he'll absolutely say, yeah, well, we'll see when it's over. He's that guy. And uh, love him to death, would love to see him in Navy and Orange. The Bears could use that. They need some more guys like that. And then you mentioned one thing about what the practices do. A lot of guys on the O-line, especially, they're moving around positions. You know, a guy who may be yeah. a tackle in college, you know, he goes to the, the All-Star game in the East-West Shrine Bowl, and they want to see him at guard. They're looking for – I mean, obviously, you're not going to transition fully a new position, looking for movement skills, looking for, how, you know, how he reacts to, to stuff coming at him a little quicker at guard or even some guards the center. So, you know, and then we're talking about tackle here, of course, with the Bears, and we talk about Braxton Jones, but we both think he's got a future, probably a left tackle. 
They got Larry Bourne coming back, who I think he's got swing traits to him. Riley Reeves gone. They're probably going to spend some big money on a tackle, I'm guessing, a free agency. But you still got to get a guy. So is there a tackle that kind of really stood out to you there at practice that you liked? I don't know about really stood out, but there saw good things from a bunch of them. And I agree that right tackle is probably one of the premier free agency targets for the Bears to spend some of that $100 million. Uh, but I really like Trevor Reed from Louisville as a tackle. He did play right here in practice. Uh, big rangy guy. Um, showed some really good movement skills, showed, you know, some reps where he got beat, but Hey, the defensive linemen here, we're going to talk about it in a minute are also very good. Yeah. Um, it's a deep class there, but he, he had some of the things that you're looking for in terms of ability to redirect ability to catch guys that maybe get outside his frame with his wingspan and recenter, get his feet under him. Um, going to go back to Trevor Reed's tape, certainly take a deeper dive, saw some nice things on the practice field, but like him coming out of this class. You talk about the D line. So let's go to Edge, and we're going to save the trenches here. I got to ask you about Ferris State's Caleb Murphy, defensive end. <laughs> you know, I I, I kind of saw some stuff about him. I think Jacob may have had a little a little a little, a little thing on him with with a, some film work on Twitter, or it might have been one of the other guys. But does he have the physicality? What six three, two fifty, small school, Ferris State, obviously. But does he have the physicality to make it to the next level? Hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 100%. We got to sit with Caleb as well. We got a great interview with him. He showed up on the practice field. Uh, again, what you want to see from a small school guy, Ferris State, going against guys from Penn State, from NC State, from Tennessee, from Louisville, um, you know, from UCLA. You know, is he getting caught more often than not? Is he getting around him? Is he winning as many as he's losing or more? Caleb was, Caleb has pop. He's got flash. He doesn't just have one move. Uh, he's got counter moves. His hand use is good. Uh, his speed's right there. He's going to be a productive guy in the league. Like if you made all the helmets white or made all the helmets black or whatever, one color, and just let him go out there, you'd be like, hey, who's that guy? Um, he's he's an athlete, and you need that at edge. He's going to test extremely well, but it translates on the field. He he got around some guys. Um, I was even talking to Chandler Zavala about some loop rushes where uh, Caleb got inside on him. He's like, yeah, that guy's, that guy's got some stuff. He taught me some stuff today. Um, and that's a guy that's, you know, very experienced left guard in the ACC has played against some very, very good players. And he's saying that about a guy from Ferris State. Caleb's, Caleb's going to be a player. That's not one of those one of those cool things that you see at, at the All Star Games is is the small school guys that come that you know you know they kind of come out of nowhere they get the invite and they're going up against like you said you know top D one you know prospects now they have a chance to show what they got and you know you'll see a lot of guys in the league that this is their first exposure to this type of talent level some guys falter some guys kind of step up so it sounds like Kayla Murphy's kind of stepping up against the, the better competition. Yeah, he did not look like the game was too big for him, uh, like he was intimidated at all by any of the players across from him. He does not come come across that way in interviews at all. He is a focused guy that is um, really talented and understands that it's a process, understands that it's a craft, understands that it takes work um, and enjoys the game. Like he likes playing football and he likes learning and getting better and trying stuff uh, and he likes beating people. And uh, those are all great traits to have in an edge. The Bears need pass rush help. Obviously, they last year I think their D line was the worst in the entire NFL as far as getting after the quarterback. Any other edges that you see out there that could kind of fit the Bears scheme? Yeah, it is interesting because the Bears need uh, 
basically two and they need two types, right? The bears run a heavier edge and a lighter edge yeah. or, or a stand-up five and a, and a true edge or a stand-up backer. Um, so they need one of both. And if we're talking about that stand-up guy that needs to be a little bit more flexible, I love, and that's with a capital L, Yasir Abdullah out of Louisville. Um, crazy, crazy athlete um, going forward, going backwards. There's a rep of him on tape versus Pitt. Uh, pivoting, uh, carrying a Z receiver, uh, basically on a rail route, which is like a wheel route for a running back up the sideline. And we talked to him about, it. I pulled that play and said, we need, this is the play we need to talk to him about because this is nuts. Uh, you know, he's 250 pounds, about six, three and flips his hips, arm bars, the guy up the sideline, flips his head, sees the ball, basically turns his chest back to the quarterback, blots out the wide receiver, gets the pick. Um, and, you know, there's a very highly rated corner hero, Keytrell Clark, who is his teammate from Louisville. And we got to see with Keytrell a little bit. And we said, what did you think when he did that? Like, you jealous of his technique? He go, I don't think I don't think I'm jealous. But I went up to him and said, man, that was the truth. Like, that was real. And that's in addition to being a complete TFL magnet. Um, Yashir Abdullah, you see over and over penetration chasing down uh, runs where they leave the gap open and he just shoots it, catches the back from the backside. So all the things you want to see in terms of penetration, pass rush from a stand-up edge. And then in addition, you know, because edges occasionally get dropped, but usually coaches are trying to hide them in the flats and just say, hey, just this guy can go down and it looks like a defensive back 20 yards downfield. Really, really versatile skill set. Super cool player. Love him to death. You think he may be targeted more from teams that run a, a three-man front as, as an outside backer? You think he'll 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 fit to the he'll team? certainly get consideration from yeah. those guys, but uh, I I think he could play in the bear scheme as the fast or the light edge, uh, and I think he'd make an impact right away. He's a he's a really good player. I think he's going to test incredibly well as well. Nice. All right. so staying on the D line, of course, the Bears probably only have one defensive tackle returning that that's you know worth anything i mean it, it, you hate to see it especially in, in this type of defense where they talk about that three tech is the engine that runs the entire scheme is there a three tech down there that, that you're kind of looking at thinking man this guy could be a bears fit here in, 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 in the later rounds or even someone a little earlier yeah both uh there's a handful of them there's three or four guys here that fit that description the one that's on the top of my list is kobe turner from wake forest Love his game. Absolute disruptor. Um, incredibly smart guy. Uh, he's a music major. He's got a master's uh, in music and composes, sings, conducts. He said that's really the, the flip side of his coin for the sort of aggression and athleticism that comes with football is his ability to sit and be very cerebral and, and compose music. But on the field, just a wrecker of a player and the kind of guy the bears need to drive that along. Um, other folks that would fit that role, uh, Jerron cage from Ohio state got to sit with him late last night. Um, he is, he is a guy. I think that he has good tape. He had, you know, production in a major program. And I still think there's more there seeing him in this week of practice. It, it almost got boring. Right. You're like, oh, he's in the backfield again. Oh, he won his rep again. OK, it was almost like, hey, I can stop watching him. I know he's got his business handled. And that's against those really good interior players we're talking about. He was winning more reps than he was losing. Um, and so my Ohio State fans jumped on my mention and said, thank you for talking about Jerron Cage. That guy is a player. 
I understand that college fans are always going to say that. He was out here with a full mix of talent that's going to the NFL, uh, showed up over and over again. Um, because of his pedigree, he might be a guy that's still targeted a little higher up. Um, and then uh, Deswan Johnson from Toledo might go a little bit lower down. He's a guy that can create the same kind of havoc. Lots of TFLs, lots of penetration, um, lots of quarterbacks being moved off their spot into other players for sacks. Those three guys, any one of them, you could take them, you know, sort of high, medium or low or uh, and have them plug in and get more juice from the interior pass rush, which the Bears desperately need. Yeah, I'm guessing they're going to target a, a three tech in free agency. Uh, Deron Payne. I mean, there's like six, you know, Hargrave. Yeah, there's a bunch of guys that they can go throw a ton of money yeah. at to give some the legit starter. But we're talking defensive line. You know, you need a rotation of guys. You know, even if you spend a bunch of money on, on a three tech, you're gonna have to get a nose. You're gonna have to get a guy. You know, they may even go with with a guy like like Carter in the first round. You need a rotation. You need to have guys that stay fresh and kind of keep things going here. You know, because well, Sam's brother had a really good week too. He's not. Oh, he's not okay. Straight. Three tech, but we'd be remiss if we didn't mention PJ. He is an aggressive dude. I think he's bigger than Sam. Uh, I think he's more physical than Sam. This is not a shot at Sam, but PJ was tossing folks. Uh, he had himself a very good week of practice. He struggled with injury a little bit at Penn State, but if he can stay healthy, like I hope people don't hold the last name against him. I know some folks are down on Mustafer in Chicago. PJ is a different guy, and he is really effective on that interior defensive line. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't be terribly surprised if he ended up in Chicago. He plays the. He didn't play three tech. He plays the the, the shade nose a little bit there. Uh, they move him around a little bit more. They with Penn State, you know, he's a two. He's a shade, sort of two eye. Um, occasionally he's at three, occasionally he's all the way out to four eye. They did use him there as well. So he's got some versatility, but he he showed some juice when he was in there. Uh, speaking of, he got to play against, uh, you know, yeah. his former teammate, Juice Scruggs. Uh, that's always fun to see those guys who've gone against each other in practice, get some reps against each other. But um, he's he's a legit player. Yeah, the, the, the D-line of the Bears is just not- – pretty much non-existent you know they just didn't get much done which really put a lot of pressure on the corners on the safeties and let's talk about cornerback I mean they have a pretty good solid group coming back in the secondary you know but in my opinion they're still a corner short uh whether Kyler Gordon ends up you know staying outside or, or staying in the slot they need one more guy that they can really trust there so so bef- but before we get into the prospects you saw down there where do you see Kyler Gordon's best fit with the Bears moving forward nickel outside a combination of both is he one of those versatile players that can do both or do you see one spot where he kind of just kind of that's his spot leave him alone let him play there i think it depends on who they bring in and because he is versatile and can't yeah. play either i would love to see them pick one and i don't really care which one and it gives them some flexibility in the draft if they want to go get a, a guy that they really believe is a you know starter at slot at nickel at day one you can make kyler your opposite outside corner with Jalen and be very settled in that rotation and vice versa. If you go get a big boundary corner that you think is going to be your lockdown guy for a while, you know, go get another Jalen in the second round or whatever. And you want Kyler to go in and play nickel. He can do that as well. It's great flexibility and burst, but just give him one. I, I was critical of their decision to move him around, make him learn all that playbook uh, as a rookie, uh, I think it stunted his growth a little bit. Yeah. And I think 
again, as he got more comfortable throughout the season, you started to see him stabilize. You started to see him have better games. Um, so he does have that versatility, but still, I want them to pick one and let him play there. Sure, in a pinch, you can slide him over. That's not the point. The point is give him one role, let him learn it, and let him be good at it. That's the thing with with young players in the secondary is as you're watching them grow and develop as rookies, it's just you see them, they seem a tick slow, and it's just because it's the experience. They have to understand you hear a lot of talk about the speed of the game, and, and that really helps you, you 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 play faster as you learn more, as your knowledge grows, you understand what you're seeing better. So with Gordon, like I said, he got better as the year went on. So, you know, the Bears defense, of course, it's it's Tampa 2-esque. It's not a Tampa 2, but it's, it's similar. A lot of zone stuff. Uh, they want a physical presence back there. Any cornerbacks down there in Vegas stand out to you this week? Yeah, a lot. The cornerback group is really good. They've got a lot of talent. Um, one guy I wasn't expecting uh, a ton out of, I just hadn't watched him, wasn't super familiar with him. Um, where is he? Eric Scott Jr. from Southern Miss showed up in the first couple of days. Big corner, uh, physical. Um, Miles Brooks from La Tech. Uh, he is uh, got very good size. He's over six foot. Um an aggressive guy likes to play press. He had a very good first few days of practice. Um, I talked about Keytrail Clark. I think he's probably one of the top five players here overall, regardless of position. I think draft uh, draft spots going to show that. Um, he's extremely athletic, has great feet. Um, Lance Boykin from Coastal Carolina was a late ad. He got called up from another bowl. Um, he is extremely long, six two, six three. Um, again, plays a ton of press. Um, two guys here from LSU uh, who both had pretty good days. And then they've got some, you know, if you want to go inside to the nickel slot, um, a lot of guys here. Deshaun Jameson uh, from Texas, who I think could play nickel, could play strong safety. Uh, very flexible guy. It was our first interview that we had. Uh, but probably the guy that had the best week was Starling Thomas from UAB. And he is small, but he is rocked up and he is super physical, loves to compete a little bit, almost laid back when you talk to him, but super confident and on the field. If he's near you, he'll hit you. I don't care if the ball's near you or not. He will let you know that he is there. He backs down from no one. He is really upset when he loses rep, even if it's just a catch in his area. Um, very, very physical player. Really cool guy to interview. Really talented cornerback group sort of top to bottom better size this year um better speed a lot of these guys are going to get drafted uh make a difference in the league you know i love those guys that kind of flip the switch whether off the field or mild-mannered <laughs> once they get out of field man it's like something changes they understand what they have to do out there uh, now you talk about a lot of these interviews they're all going to be on bootleg football i assume yeah, we got so many more really good interviews this year. And um, that's that's not just the quality of the class. Yes, the quality of the class has come up, but we know what we're doing. We, yes. uh, we, we were here last year. Uh, we knew the rhythm a little bit more. We were able to get into it a little bit quicker. We had less sort of audio and video issues. Uh, we sort of had our question script figured out. We were able to um, show them film this year. We got access to, you know, all their film before we got here. So we were able to really say, 
uh, it's amazing how they open up when you show them one of their plays and say, this is what we understand about the play. Tell us what you understand about this play. Tell us what we're missing. Um, And they can really just talk ball, which is what they're here to do. And they're not getting those questions like, are you a dog or a cat? And they hate that stuff. And so do we. And and they could just, you could just see them come alive, especially the offensive linemen. Forgot to mention Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas when you're talking about centers, very experienced SEC center. Uh, one of those guys that was a little unsure. He's like, what do you guys do? What am I doing here? And then we're like, hey, we're just going to talk about this play. And and he was like, oh, and he started pointing at the screen and, you know, saying what his call was, what his check was, what happened, what what was on purpose. Um, uh, little nuggets that you get, like they didn't have a silent count. And he was a, so he was a sophomore and they went in to play Georgia. And it was super loud because they're both highly ranked that year. They're both in the top 10. And um they didn't have a silent count. And on like the second play, he just turned around to his quarterback and he's like, dude, we got to like, we got to make a silent count. So I'm just going to look between my legs and like, um, you know, whenever you stop your foot, I'm going to, I'm going to hike it. You can clap whenever you want to try and get them off sides. But whenever you like lift your foot, I'm going to chuck the ball at you. Cause I can't, I can't even hear myself think. Wow. And I was, we were like, wait, you didn't have a silent count. He's like, nope, we just made it up on the field. <laughs> that's, that's that football so, IQ, those little nuggets that you pick up uh, when you're talking to these guys, you're like, you know, I mean, that's something that you, you, it's not really in the top of a scouting report, but it's there. It's like, man, that's that shows IQ for the player. He understands the awareness of the situation, what they have to do to kind of better themselves and better their teammates. So that, that's that's a good nugget there. But let's take a real quick commercial and then we'll kind of jump back over to the offensive side of things. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, welcome back. We're back here with EJ Snyder, bootleg football, of course. You catch all his stuff. Of course, he's with us, too, on Bears Over Beers, Windy City Greener Podcast Channel. But, but let's talk about receivers. I mean, the Bears have, of course, Darno Mooney coming off an injury. Um, and, of course, there's the big acquisition from a year ago. The, the second-round draft pick, 32nd overall, went to pick up Chase Claypool. Do you think he can be the dude uh, for the Bears in 2023? I don't think he's going to be the dude. Um, I think he can be a dude. Okay. Um, I think he can play big slot for them, and I yeah. would like to see him there. Love to see Mar- uh, Darnell Mooney on the outside, um, possibly on his side, but they they still need the sort of a number one and receivers after that. Like you said, there's not a position group on this roster where they're like, oh, they're set. I mean, even with Justin at quarterback, what do you have after that? Mm, not much. Uh, running back, you've got, you know, Herbert, Montgomery status is up in the air. What do you have after that? 
you know, if if there's one position group where you're okay, it's the secondary. You got two good starting safeties. You got two to three decent corners. Like that's the best prepared group. But like you said, they could still use more depth. So uh, I think there's opportunity. Uh, and that's understating it in the Bears receiver core for pretty much anybody and any type they want to bring in. And this group was loaded head and shoulders better than last year's group. Last year's group was good, had guys drafted. We saw Tucker Thornton end up on the Patriots, saw a bunch of other guys make NFL rosters. This group is decidedly better than that. Well, the big talk on, on you know, draft Twitter for Bears is, of course, Zay Flowers, receiver from uh, Ryan Bull's alma mater, Boston College. Does he look as good at their practice as, as the buzz has been online? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It took three plays. He yeah. didn't practice the first day. It was sort of unclear as to why um, we had requested interviews with him in the first couple of days. He was super busy. We did end up getting him on day four uh, yesterday. Got a chance to sit with Zay. So that interview will be up. He is as good off the field as he is on, but day two, he's on the field. Uh, took all of three plays to go, huh? And uh, Brett was actually standing behind an NFL GM who will remain nameless, who took one look at that and went, yeah, that's different. <laughs> um, no, he's, but, he's as advertised. He's so he checked in at 5'9". So, of course, oh, he's too small. But he does not play small. He plays, what, 5'9", 180-ish. You know, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a physical player when, when I watch him a little right. bit. And he's definitely going to be a guy. I mean, I, I've seen first-round talk which is, you know, yep. he may be the highest drafted player from the East-West Bowl if, if it goes yep. that way. But you see him fitting in on the Bears. Obviously, obviously with the, where the Bears are drafting, it'll be like a trade-back situation or something else. But sure. Bears now, not thinking about – yes, absolutely. Everybody that's seen him here believes that he will be a player and be a player quickly in the NFL. Um, if you watch his tape, he makes plays at all levels of the field. He makes plays in the short game with Yak. Uh, he actually has return specialist. He makes plays deep, he makes plays on the boundary, makes plays in the middle of the field um, and has for years. This isn't a one hit wonder. This isn't a one season wonder, uh, has extremely good feet. Um, reminds me of Devonta Smith there in terms of his release game. Like people, oh, he's little. He's going to get pressed. You got to touch him. You got to catch him before you can <laughs> press him. And very few people can. Uh, and when he gets loose, uh, thinks a uh, very cerebral player. Talk to us about his footwork, works very hard on his footwork, has a footwork coach. Um, uh, his cuts bring him separation, and separation is king in the NFL. Yep. Uh, and when he gets there, he catches the, catches the ball with his hands, very strong hands, uh, willing to elevate to do it, willing to take a shot. Um, just a really, really good professional receiver already with a lot of experience. And I think of him a lot like Darnell Mooney, but farther along than Mooney was when he came out of college. But physical – similar to Darnell Mooney. I want to ask you about another guy, different type of receiver, but another one I've seen a lot of buzz growing about. Uh, Wake Forest, A.T. Perry, bigger body, more physical. But does he have the, the quickness? You talk about separation. Can he separate on the NFL level, you think? There's, there's three ways to separate on an NFL route. There's three places to separate or three ways to win on a catch. One is off the snap, right? Off the line. That's what people usually talk about, getting off the jam, being able to create separation right away. Um, then there's the ability to separate at the break, right? Top of the stem, uh, all routes go to a stem, and then you've got, you know, left, right, stutter go, whatever. Lots of things happen, but you can create separation there. And then you can create separation at the catch point. 
We see big, big physical guys that can go up and elevate the Mike Williams of the world, and they can win at the catch point. So you can win off the line, you can win at the break, or you can win at the catch point. Or, you know, if you're really good, you could do all three. Um, A.T. Perry is one of the most impressive football players I've ever talked to. Okay. And that is regardless of position. Um, we had a really good interview last year with Thomas Booker about defensive line play and, and about how his brain was working and how much he understood about the angles and what the people next to him were doing. We had that interview for receiver play with A.T. Perry. His preparation starts, you know, weeks before he gets on the field, both physically and mentally. He's a film guy. He's a study guy. He's a tendency guy. He's a breakdown where the cornerback's toes are, leverage, lean, what he did in the past, what I did to him on the last rep. Uh, you know, what I can do to him again, he's got a complete arsenal. He is a hands catcher. He is tall. Um, and, you know, uh, he we talked to him about how he worked on his hands, about how he, you know, specifically like, hey, we noticed you were catching more balls over your shoulder this year that you were, you know, not turning and jumping because he said, yeah, I know I can turn and jump and catch the ball. But I know if I catch it over my shoulder, I can maintain momentum. So he said, I had my, you know, GA, my grad assistant before every game. One of the drills we did before every game this year was I would stand there with my back to him and he would just toss the ball over me at different angles and I would reach out and grab it. And we do that for about 10 minutes before every game. And it was just to get that one piece of his game that he knew was sort of uh, lesser, uh, basically elevated and able to, you know, uh, keep that or add that. He's just got this incredible toolbox. He's a really, really good player. He's not going to run super fast. He's going to be in the high mid to mid to high four fives. But that's functional NFL speed. Yeah. He's incredibly smooth. Interesting. First big guy I've ever talked to that said, I want to run like a small guy. He said, well, he said you know, you're really tall and you run pretty well. He said, I want to run like a small guy. I don't I don't want people to know that I'm 6'2", 6'3". I, I want to run like a guy that's like 5'10", 5'11". I want, to, I want to keep my hips low. I want to sink. I want to come out of breaks. Um, really, really fascinating player. Love A.T. Perry. A lot of times those bigger guys, it's about the long stride, you know, getting up to speed. And he kind of has the the, the the shorter steps. He wants to go in and out of his brakes a little tighter. Do you see him? Obviously, he's not going in the first round. Do you see him kind of following him, you know, second or third? Or is he going to slip a little further than that? I would be shocked if he got out of third. Okay. Um, because he is going to blow teams away in meeting rooms. When they sit and talk to him and understand how much he already knows, I would say he's in the top probably 15% of professional receivers right now with his approach, how detailed he is, how much he considers everything, how much he studies, how much he works to create every little intricacy in his game. You don't get that from college receivers. Like we've never gotten that. That we got, you know, close from Zay, um, and another receiver we'll talk about in a bit, Nico, uh, Nico Romijo from San Jose State or from Fresno State. Um, At is on another level, like now mentally. Let's, let's open it up. But any, any other receivers you think may a, a good a good scheme fit for what the Bears want to do? Yeah, there's a lot of guys, and the Bears could use some return help too. That's yeah. really what Romeo is going to come in. He started at Cal, ended up at Fresno State. Um, explosive in the return game and really can separate great hands, uh, detailed route runner across the middle of the field. Um, there are two guys here that I just have um, continually screwed up all week, and I've had to work to separate them. We finally got to interview them, and that helped a little bit. But they both have the initials of DD. They're both within about an inch of each other at like 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, um, they're both really good route runners, and they both caught 
everything for the first two days. One of them's from Liberty, uh, and one of them is from Jackson State. Demario Douglas is from Liberty, and Dallas Daniels is from Jackson State. And both of those are slot guys that are a lot like Kyle Phillips in my mind last year who can win with their feet, then win the ball with their hands, create after that very quick. Um, so those are the sort of interior guys, bigger guys on the outside. Jake Bobo from UCLA really showed me some things. He's uh, more sort of what Mike Tice would call a power slot, which yeah. is almost like that mush version of, you know, move tight end to very large slot receivers out of UCLA. Great hands, good routes, um, very dependable. Um, you already talked about AT. Uh, Jaden Hazelwood from Arkansas, big receiver with a lot of physical talent who was used uh, a lot like Traylon Burks was in the lateral game, but there's so much more to that. And we saw some of that this week. Um, I think he's going to be really good. And then, um, Nico Romijo's, um, cohort, his other running mate there at Fresno state, Jalen Cropper had himself a really nice week and he's just because of the number of receivers in this draft, he's going to go lower and be a real value. Um, there's, there's a ton of guys here and all the receivers have had really, not all the receivers, most of the receivers have had really good weeks here. Yeah. I mean, the college game, it's, it's, it's so pass happy these days. So you're always seeing a lot of receivers come out and, and talking about passing. I, I didn't want to ask you about quarterbacks. You touched on them earlier. You know, it's Justin Fields, Trevor Simeon, who's coming off an injury. He's not the best fit in my opinion for what the bears want to do. I mean, if you're going to have a, a, a running quarterback, which they've embraced. You know, I, I'd like to see them cut some of that back. But, hey, that's part of the game. That's part of the offense. Now you got to threaten a defense with your legs. If that's what you're going to do with Justin Fields, you got to make a switch. You know, you, you got to have that backup that can do some of that. Any quarterbacks at the East-West game that kind of uh, fit that bill for the Bears as, as a late-round uh, developmental prospect? I'd say later round. I don't know about how late, but Dorian Thompson-Robinson, DTR out of UCLA, very experienced starter. He's a hometown kid here in Las Vegas. He went to Bishop Gorman, so it's really cool for him to be able to come back and play in this game in his hometown. Um, but is a guy that will threaten you and hurt you with his legs when he takes off. He is not a run-first quarterback by any stretch, but he is a guy as backup um, that I think mentally would fit there as a developmental guy. It would not. Uh, some quarterbacks can't take that ego-wise, especially after having been big man on campus for their entire time. Um, he's not like that. Very humble guy. Um, student of the game, but has the, you know, his feet as weapons um, and can absolutely sling it as well. So the Bears would have to, you know, scale their game plan back a little bit when he came in if Justin Fields got hurt, but not a lot. And I think that's really key. I mean, maybe knock 10, 15 percent off, whereas with their current backups, it really is a whole different slate. Yeah, you heard him talk about it, you know, when, when Justin Fields was hurt earlier this year and they brought in Simeon, they talked about how they're going to ch- had to change the offense. I mean, it's, it's more more drop-back base. Yeah, they still do, do some of the boot slide stuff, but when he's out there, he's not a threat, you know. So you, you want to have a guy that can kind of do a little bit of both. You, you're not going to find Justin Fields light. It's just not going to happen. I mean, Justin Fields, as a runner, ridiculous. The passing yes. part we haven't seen yet, but, you know, that that's coming. You know, he did it at Ohio State. I'm sure it'll get there, but – before we kind of move on to my last few topics, I do want to ask you about your favorite position to scout, and that's running backs. The Bears, I guess you could say they have a need. David Montgomery's out of contract. They've talked him up quite a bit. It seems like they want to bring him back at the pri- at the right price, but they have Khalil Herbert, who is obviously under contract. But after that, you know, Darrington Evans, he's a guy. 
you know, trusted Ebner. He didn't really do much as a rookie. Um, is there an explosive tailback down there that kind of fit in as, as the number three for the Bears? Um, I, you know, it, it could be a three, but if you're really talking about Khalil Herbert as one, which yeah. is the sure thing, and then, and, you know, X question mark could be a number two and you'd need a fairly fully featured back to be your number two, because we know it's a high wear position. It's a yep. long season. If we're looking at that, it's Jordan Mims, uh, also out of Fresno state. So a teammate of Jalen Cropper and Nico Remigio and all these other guys, um, had a really strong season, uh, scored one, uh, touchdown in each of his last nine games, not only one uh ended up with i think 19 his final game against wazoo uh over 200 yards 11.9 per scored twice um has been the best back down here this week in all three phases running the football obviously sort of the first thing that people look at got to be able to contribute in the passing game he showed an ability there uh, not necessarily explosive but in the short to medium passing game he's been more than adequate and he's been the best pass protector down here and we don't want to get justin killed so going to need that if you're going to play quickly jordan mims is my favorite back uh that's here in terms of all three phases if you want more of that explosion and you know really pop in the passing game um guy out of ucla kaz allen now nobody's going to love his measurements he's a small dude um but he is explosive and he can make people miss he has that juice and he is a very good receiver he caught a lot of balls at ucla um, very comfortable with that part of his game. Obviously, he's comfortable with his quarterback here. He played with Dorian Thompson Robinson uh, and Jake Bobo, his other teammates here as well, along with um, his linemen. So he's been fitting right in, but he started making plays immediately on day one. And most of the ones that have been sort of really impressive have been uh, those short passes that basically supplement the run game. Um, he looks very, very comfortable there. Do you think some of these guys you talk about, I mean, the NFL level, you, you got to catch the ball in the backfield, but you got a pass block. You got to pick up the blitz. I know it's kind of hard to pick up all the nuances of practice, but you think mm -hmm. some of these guys can kind of, will that carry over? Can they do that at the NFL level? Certainly can. And they do drill it specifically and they drill it into them mentally as well. Jordan Mims is an absolute yes. Um, another guy that I think fits more that sort of multi-role is X Valaday. So it's a Xavier Valaday goes by X um, very productive season. He was a transfer, came into Arizona state can contribute in the passing game, showed some explosion there on tape, but is a very good runner as well. Um, he's, uh, he's not going to go high. He's going to be a value. He's going to be one of those guys you're going to get maybe in the fourth, uh, possibly as late as the fifth, who's going to contribute and uh, could be a real nice sort of slot in at a number two behind somebody like Herbert. That makes sense here. So before I get to out, I got two more quick topics, you know, sure. Draft weekend. It's, it's, it's about as much finding those gems day three undrafted free agent market as it is hitting those home runs on, on the, on the first, you know, first few rounds. And I know you love that part of the process. I remember a couple of years back, we talked uh, more net um, and you were really high on Texas's Puna Ford. And, and yeah. he, went, he went undrafted. And I remember you saying, wow, how's this guy undrafted? He was one of your, your top, yep. uh, top D tackles that year. He got picked up by the Seahawks and had, you know, through, through five or six years now is one of their better defensive players. Um, really nice career for him. So so are there any players that you're kind of seeing? And, and we're not just talking East-West Shrine. Let's open this up to, to prospects, you, that you've been scouting so far during the process. Any defensive players you're a bit higher on than most? Uh, defensive players. Um It'll be really interesting to see how the league values a lot of these guys. Um, 
Well, I would have said A.J. Finley before this week, the safety out of Old Miss. Uh, actually, kid from Mobile, Alabama. Went to high school in Mobile, Alabama, played played safety at Old Miss. Um, he, was, he was flying a little bit under the radar, really athletic, good, smart kid, uh, both football-wise and off the field, but ended up with three picks here one day uh, in the same practice. So uh, under the radar, no more. No more. Um, he's, <laughs> he's a player that, uh, yeah, is, you know, he can do it all. Again, the Bears are probably best stocked at safety, so maybe they don't need him. Um, Moro Ojomo is here. You wouldn't think he's under the radar because he's from Texas. Um, not a lot of people talking about him. He's more sort of, in my eyes, the stand-up five. Um, I think he's going to get underdrafted a little bit, which is, again, a weird thing to say about a guy out of Texas, but nobody's really talking about him. They're not. I don't hear a lot of people super hyped about him. I like his game. Um and then uh, we didn't talk at all about linebackers, so I feel like I got to give them a little bit of love. Um, we're talking about now inside linebackers or stand-up linebackers. There's a couple here. Uh, I actually like three on one team. Both the NC State linebackers are here. I think uh, Isaiah Moore is going to go maybe the highest out of that group. He's a very strong tackler in between the numbers. Um, but his buddy, Drake Thomas, his running mate, is a little bit smaller, extremely stout. Uh, ended up with a pick of practice the other day, but I've really been impressed with his intelligence. He's in the right place. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, um, Shaka Hayward from Duke, who's 6'3", uh, plays with really nice balance. I love his balance. He comes into every situation very neutral in his hips and his shoulders, which you don't usually see for bigger, taller guys. They end up leaning or reaching. Um, Shaka Hayward, really nice athlete, plays with a lot of balance, plays with pop, big guy for linebacker. Um I don't, I just think positionally inside linebackers don't get a lot of love. So those guys might just get their value might get depressed a little bit because of that. Um, any of the three of those would be a really nice ad. All right, let's flip the script offense. Uh, some of your, your sleepers on the offensive side of things. Ooh, I'm going to, I'm going to go to my other sheet. So I'm going to look like I'm sort of staring oh, off into space here. That's because you are always right. prepared with with. Well, I, I spent a lot of today doing spreadsheet maintenance, which is my least favorite part of this job. But I really needed to do it because I've been, again, throwing names onto these sheets for months and months, and uh, they they were in a very sad state of affairs. So uh, they needed to get they needed to get updated. Um, uh, a lot of the guys that I thought would be on that list have sort of elevated their profile, um, like Josh Downs. Josh Downs was a guy I was super high on. Uh, and then Drake May exploded this year at UNC, and everybody knows about Josh Downs now. Um, uh, let me see, let me see, let me see. Well, the other guy blew up the senior bowl today. So Ty J Spears from Tulane, he was a guy I had preseason as a guy that I thought was really good. Oh, I'll talk about one. Roshan Williams, who also was having a great senior bowl. Um, he is Bijan's backup at Texas. He is a huge dude. He, he only measured in at six foot, but I thought he was like six one. And he's a good like 225. He's a big guy. He doesn't run like that. He runs really, really well um, with really light feet, but he runs power behind his pads. I scouted him on tape before we went to see him in person because we were at the UTSA Texas game this year. And I was fascinated. I mean, I know Bijan is an extraterrestrial. I know he is the truth as a running back, but nobody was talking about Roshan Williams. This is back in September. And I was like, man, here's this guy that plays at Texas. He's got really good feet. He's really big. Um, it's a skilled guy, 
uh, has, you know, really good in terms of production. His scores are great. Um, does a lot with the carries he gets. Nobody was talking about him. He's been having a great senior bowl. And now everybody's like, oh man, this Roshan, or sorry, Roshan Johnson. Um, Roshan Johnson. Great game. Oh, this Roshan Johnson guy could really play football. And I'm like, yep. Yeah, and it's just because he was in Bijan's shadow. If he'd been in almost any other program, he would have been, you know, they'd be talking about him as a top three round running back. Um, but and I think he'll end up going there at the end of the process. That's a great thing about this process being three months long is he'll get to go to an all-star game. He'll definitely get a combine invite. People see him in the field drills and they'll go, hey, that's a really good football player. And he'll probably his value will sort of even or level out. Plus, at that position, less wear and tear on the body. You know, yep. behind the guy. So, you know, there'll, there'll be a team out there that says, hey, let's make him our guy. And uh, that's cool, though. But, EJ, I think that's about it, man. You talked about, like, a ton of players. Yeah. No, it's it's um, it's really difficult not to after being here for the week and seeing this class, seeing them up close, seeing them work with pro coaches, uh, seeing them play and learn, uh, you know, with and from each other. There's a lot of good football players here. There are very few position groups that are not better than they were like markedly last year. And last year was a very good class, the, historically the best class ever in terms of draft performance for Shrine Bowl. And this class is better, like just better top to bottom. And that's been a ton of fun. Nice. Like we talked about, the, the more the more of these all-star games that kind of get that up to that level, you know, I think it's better for the NFL and better for football in general and, you know, but uh, again, man, thanks so much for jumping on. Um, I appreciate it. You know, we got to do this more often. Yeah, we should do it. We should do it kind of monthly going through draft season, at least where we sort of catch up because there's just going to be a ton of information. There always is every year. There's more information throughout yep. the draft cycle, more outlets, more people talking, um, which is great. It's great to have a variety and, and access to all that information. That's all I wanted 10 years ago. And now it's it's everywhere. You can get it for podcasts and you know, little tiny write-ups. You can get it on TikTok if you want to. Yeah. Um, and I love that. It's so cool. Uh, but I would love to touch base probably about once a month and just kind of do like a, a dump of, hey, this is what I've seen or this is what's happened. And, and you know, these are some things that I feel like um, the Bears are starting to hone in on. Just for Bears fans, um, every Bears scout was here when practice started on Saturday. I ended up talking to Jeff Shiver, longtime Bear Scout, who I met in 2020 down at Mobile. And I reminded him of that and had a very nice conversation. He's a, he's a very nice gentleman. And I said, so uh, how, how are you all splitting this up? Or is everybody here or is, is it half and half between here and Mobile? And he said, everybody is here, uh, including Ryan. And I, did, I got to meet Ryan on Saturday. Um, and then about half are going to split off and Ryan is going to go with him uh, to go see Luke Getze and the group in Mobile. Um, but literally every Bears scout was here when practice started because they know they've got a lot of draft capital and they know there's a lot of talent here. Yeah, and they'll have more draft capital because I'm sure they'll trade back at least once. So they're going to they're going to. Yeah, that's probably happening. So it's happening. Yep. So hey, everyone, make sure you guys all follow EJ on Twitter. Of course, he is at Football EJ. Subscribe to his Bootleg Football channel on YouTube. Um, we, we talked a little bit about you have some more interview stuff coming up on Bootleg. Yeah, we got so many interviews this year that they're going to roll out all the way through draft season. We'll probably be rolling them out right up until almost the draft starts because I think last year we did about 15 total interviews and about six of them were really usable, the ones we published. And that was just because, you know, sound quality or some guys are really soft-spoken or, or we just kind of, it was a flat interview and we didn't think it was very good. So we didn't put it up. 
This year, I think we have 30 plus interviews in the can and we'll probably put up like 25 of those. Nice. They're excellent. Like so many of them are so good. Can't wait. We'll be rolling them out. Zay Flowers is going to be the first one. It's going to roll out as soon as we can, probably within a couple of days here. We've got a Shrine Bowl recap podcast that will probably launch tomorrow, but it might be Friday. Uh, and it'll just kick up from there and keep going. You guys have upped your game immensely, which is happens with experience. So that is awesome. But thanks for everyone watching on Second City Gridiron. Thanks for listening, guys, on the Windy City Gridiron podcast channel. And we got a ton more draft content coming up this week. Uh, Taylor and Dylan is going to have Making Monsters, another another draft analyst coming up there. Uh, Robert Schmitz, Jacob, and Fonte are down at the Senior Bowl this week, so they'll be talking draft along with Quentin Crisco. Uh, Jeff and I will be back here uh, tomorrow night talking with Greg, Greg Gabriel on our Baron Balanced, and we'll have a bunch of other stuff at WCG. So until next time, bear down, my friends. <laughs>